Good evening. You are listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. Right now it's 6 p.m. Tuesday, September 20th. I'm reporter Catherine Rose broadcasting live tonight from the Cable House, and you are listening to Raven Radio's live mayoral and assembly candidate forums. So tonight from 6 to 7 p.m., we're going to hear from the candidates running for the mayor's chair. There are three of them. Stephen Eisenbeis, Kevin Mosher, and Valerie Nelson are here with me on Zoom tonight. And then from around 7 to 8, we'll hear from the five candidates running for two open Sitka Assembly seats. So before we get started, just a reminder to our listeners, each year we host these candidate forums and the format of the forums is a little unique. It's it's not exactly a debate. It's, it's more of an opportunity to compare candidates' uh, views on issues and opinions on the city and a chance for voters to learn where you stand on those issues. Now, that being said, uh, candidates, your time is your own. And if you want to address another candidate's stance on an issue, you're welcome to do so. And even though these issues are complex, we are bound by time and we want to get to as many questions as possible. So there is a two minute time limit on each question. I'd respectfully ask that you stick to the time limit so each candidate has the opportunity opportunity to answer and we can get it to as many questions as possible. And I will be keeping the time with a timer displayed on the screen so you'll know how much time you have left. And it will turn red uh, when you have about 30 seconds remaining and flash red when your time is up. And so listeners, before we get started, this is your chance to ask candidates your questions. If you have a question, you can call us at 747-5879 or email news at kcaw.org and news director Robert Woolsey is here and he will take your question. So let's go ahead and get started. And we're going to go in alphabetical order. So that means that um, Stephen Eisenbeis, you'll start us off. The first question is just introduce yourself and explain your platform. Uh, someone always pulls the uh, the lucky number one, huh? Um, well, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Stephen Eisenbeis. I'm running for a second term as uh, as Sitka's mayor. Um, I let's see, me about a little about me. So uh, recently, uh, me and my wife did add a child uh, to our family. We have a, a now three year old, affectionately known as a three nager. Um, for those of you who have been in that stage. Um, uh, his name's Fisher. Um, we're, we're having a whole lot of fun with that one. Uh, let's see. I own a third generation family store with my wife, Ashley. Um, her grandpa bought the store back in 1956 and it's been in, in the family ever since. Um, a couple things of why I would like to continue uh, a term as your mayor. Um, we are heading into very exciting times here. In fact, this last budget cycle was the, the first budget cycle I've been a part of where we've been able to add back programs for our citizens. Um, with the anticipated surplus uh, this next year, we'll have the ability to continue to build roads and, and add programs that the citizens really do want. Um, but in order to continue with some of these great initiatives that we started, we need to maintain a strong and stable assembly that we do have now. I feel that I've brought a style of leadership uh, that is uh, respected amongst not only the assembly, but the community. And I am desirous of continuing that. Um, I'm excited to see that both of our, um, all three of our mayoral candidates um, have spoke about the, the respect for the public and the respect for the assembly. So I'm optimistic that that's going to continue forward in, in whatever fashion. Um, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of great points that come up throughout the, the rest of tonight. And so I'll, I'll yield the rest of the time. 
Thank you so much, Stephen. Um, Kevin Mosher, to you. Hi, thank you. Uh, my name is Kevin Mosher. I um, am married with five grown children. I have been in Sitka since 1993. I came here with the U.S. Coast Guard. I was a cook on the Woodrush for two years and then at the air station for a year. Uh, I it was about six months of culture shock, and then I fell in love with Sitka, decided to make it my home. I met my wife, and we went to school together at UAS, got our business degrees, our bachelor's in business. Um, <clears throat> I am currently a staff accountant with Shiatica Incorporated. I have over 15 years of experience in uh, accounting and finance, um, and I feel like that helps me bring um, a knowledge and understanding of that to the table. Um, so I was elected to the assembly three years ago, or four years ago, sorry, in 2018. I was reelected last year for a, another three-year term, and I'm running for mayor because uh, I do believe that um, we, we've had some rough couple of years and had to make some rough decisions. And I think that there's a lot of positive this, that has now come. We've realized cost savings, and also the, um, the economy is rebounding with tourism, the search uh, uh, hospital coming, the Coast Guard ship possibly coming. <clears throat> There's a lot of positive growth, but we need to manage it properly. And I'd like to do it as mayor. I'd like to lead the community and unify the community and manage the growth responsibly in a way so that so that the money that comes in actually benefits the community in a positive way. Things like, as Stephen mentioned, uh, building roads, fixing infrastructure. I want to help make sure that the, the money that comes in goes to benefit seconds in a real and tangible way. Um, and I feel that I also have a, a good way with people and a good way to unify and show respect to the assembly, to the public. And I'd like to try my best to make sure that I allow all people of all opinions uh, the opportunity to speak their mind and to share their opinions and feel heard and be represented. Thank you. Thank you so much for that response, Kevin. And now, uh, Valerie, to you. Hello, I'm Valerie Nelson. I've lived in Sitka since 1955, uh, moved away for a short time during fourth grade. My father was a lineman and uh, we traveled to Juneau and Petersburg for short stints. But other than that, I've lived in Sitka pretty much all my life, born in a naval hospital in uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, but came here about uh, when I was about a year old. So uh, my roots are pretty deep. I have uh, seven siblings, five still live here. I have nieces and nephews in the school district. I uh, decided, to, and I'm a former mayor uh, from 2000 to 2002. I've served a few stints on the assembly and uh, most recently was 2018 to 2021. And the reason why I put my name in is because I figure as a semi-retired person, I have the time to deal with the issues that are coming up. And I saw that uh, we added like 17 new positions to add programs in and gave city employees a raise of seven plus percent. And uh, that was an increase of like 2 million in the budget and that's not sustainable to me. So I am a fiscal conservative and think that I can help um, keep things more affordable because um, they certainly have gone up as far as garbage water sewer electricity and I think that we're driving a lot of the lower income people away. Thank you. All right. 
go ahead and get into some of these questions now. And, and let's go ahead and start with some questions you've, you've already touched on in your questionnaires on the KCAW Election Center. So I've given you the opportunity to answer questions about the ballot propositions, but I think that there are some listeners out there who, are, who aren't online and still want to know the answers to these questions. So this one will go to Kevin Mosher first, then um, Valerie, and then Stephen. So we're doing a round-robin kind of thing. Um, so where do you stand on Proposition 1, which would replace the existing sales tax with a new, slightly higher tax on cannabis and cannabis products and would direct that money to the Sitka School District Student Activities Fund? So where do you stand on Prop 1 and why? And Kevin Mosher, uh, your time starts now. Thank you, Catherine. <clears throat> well, I, uh, I'm a co-sponsor with of this along with uh, Mr. Knox and Ms. Hemshoot, and so I strongly support it 100%. I was uh, very involved with helping to make this happen, and <clears throat> I, I believe uh, strongly in it. Um, when we, uh, when the voters allowed the marijuana industry into Zitka, um, part of the intention was to allow tax revenue to benefit the community. And we already do have a sales tax, but this increase will replace the current sales tax. So this is not above and beyond. This is replacing the sales tax, increasing it slightly. The purpose of this is to, yes, to help student activities. Um, I was asked today earlier if uh, I think that everything should be paid for and students shouldn't have any skin in the game. And I, I think, yes, students should have skin in the game. They should be camp, uh, or I'm sorry, um, fundraising, et cetera, and, and be very involved and, and yes, have, have a skin in the game when it comes to um, raising money for their activities. But I believe this will be a uh, very beneficial uh, investment into our students, our youth, our students are the future of our community and we need to invest in them. I believe this will be a very positive thing um, to help uh, uh, the students and our future of Zipka. Thank you. All right, Valerie, uh, your time on this question starts now. Oh, all right, Valerie, your time on this question starts now. Okay, um, I'm happy that it's on the ballot. I am not going to say how I'm going to vote because that's my uh, personal right. I have mixed feelings about, um, you know, the, the business owner's stance on this in that I've talked to a couple of the um, retail places and I just see that a lot of businesses are still trying to recover from COVID and what happened and it will be interesting to see what the voters say. All right. Thank you. Stephen? I am in support of increasing funding to our school system in you know, multiple avenues. Um, it's going to take more than just one in order to get a, a fully funded school system that, that everyone's appreciative of. Um, however, I do not support the mechanism in which this does it. Um, and the reason being is that I have not been assured that any money that comes in through this, um, it's not an additional tax, it would be just a, a, an accounting mechanism essentially, um, would be in addition to the activities funding. Um, I believe that this money would be used as revenue replacement which would increase funding to the schools as they wouldn't have to spend the three to $400,000 a year on student activities. Um, but if that's the ultimate goal of this, then I think it needs to be stated as such. So I'm, I'm uh, concerned that this ballot proposition will not actually increase funding to student activities, which is a, a perhaps needed uh, mechanism within the school district. 
And then uh, I'm also concerned that if this passes, the assembly will have very little to no say in how it's actually allocated within the school district, uh, which is which is rightfully so. The school district is elect or the school board is uh, elected by voters in order to allocate the the money that the assembly gives them appropriately, and that is in their hands, not ours. All right. Thank you all for for answering that question. And again, I also gave these candidates the opportunity to answer that question on our website on the Election Center at KCW.org. You can go and read their answers there as well. And I want to follow up with another question about school funding. This came in from a couple of listeners wanting to know, will you fund schools to the cap or in other words, the maximum allowed by state law for instructional expenses? So would you fund schools to the cap? Yes or no, and why or why not? And this will go to Valerie Nelson first. Uh, in the past, like the Performing Arts Center and um, things that are a drain, the heat pumps that ha recently went out at uh, Blatchley, I believe, um, weren't uh, in a capital improvement plan or anything. And so, yeah, I do approve um, funding to the cap. Okay. Thank you. And then next after Valerie, I think this goes to Stephen next. The assembly has for many years and especially in tough budgetary times funded not only to the cap, but beyond the cap. When you look at all the additional uh, revenue sources or in kind that has been provided to the, the school district. Um, I anticipate that path continuing and would be in support of that path continuing. Uh, there, there are some uh, measures in, in place or in work now. Um, that we're looking at potentially taking over maintenance of the school buildings. That would not only be a savings to the school district, but that would also be a savings to the municipality because we wouldn't have to uh, utilize the same uh, resources twice. Uh, we can use our building crew in order to, to help take care of that. Um, I think where this question really needs to go is back to the state. Um, I believe that we need to push on the state hard for a solid, stable um, base student allocation that uh, increases inflationary, um, increases for inflation yearly um, and is a reliable funding source. I intend to use uh, my experience in, in talking with our legislators and our state representatives uh, to ensure that that happens. And I know that that is a conversation that's happening not only amongst Southeast, um, but in the state as a whole. All right, thank you for that response. And now to Kevin Mosher. Thank you. Yes, the answer uh, to this question, what I, do I intend on funding schools at the cap? Of course. And uh, we have funded um, for several years to the cap and, and, and beyond that. Um, and I intend to do that as long as we can afford it. Um, we have made, uh, the leadership at the city has made significant savings over the past several years, which has allowed us to afford to do that, which um, I'm very grateful for. Uh, with the growth anticipated, I, I see no reason why we should be able to do that and continue on for many years. Um, <clears throat> this is why I believe it's really important to support our leadership at the city. I believe we have a good team that is 
uh, fiscally responsible and watching out for efficiencies as much as possible. And, and as we do that and we continue to, to grow and um, with tourism and these other, other, other places where uh, we have growth, um, I see no reason why we shouldn't be able to uh, support that. All right, thank you so much for talking a little bit more about school funding and help, uh, helping us understand where you stand. Um, the next question deals with the other ballot prop. Um, so same thing, I asked you all about ballot proposition two on the questionnaires, but I, I, I'm gonna ask it again for listeners who wanna hear more on this question. Do you support ballot prop two, which would withdraw up to 8.1 million in proceeds from the sale of the Sitka Community Hospital building for Sitka's permanent fund to pay for a marine haul out and why or why not? So I believe this one goes to Steven Eisenbeis first. So yes, I do support uh, ballot prop two and using some permanent fund money in order to help pay for a city owned infrastructure. Um, I say that with, with a little bit of an asterisk, though, um, because in general, I do not support using permanent fund money to, to fund city infrastructure. I think this is a, a one-time windfall from the sale of our, of our Sitka Community Hospital building, um, um, but I'm a, a little bit fearful of the door it potentially opens where now every new infrastructure project seeks permanent fund uh, money in order to, to complete their project. Uh, the permanent fund is working wonderfully right now and needs to continue as it is by, by supplementing our, our general fund. Um, I, do, I do think that this uh, needs to, well, I think it's been proven that the haul out needs to be a, a city funded infrastructure. I think that's the only way to, to get it done. Um, fortunately, when we were just recently at Southeast Conference, uh, some of the relationships that the SICA contingency has built over the years um, potentially has allowed us to, to gain some more funding for this haul out uh, should, the ballot measure, uh, should the ballot measure pass. I also believe that match funding, if available, will strengthen our raise grant application to the point where it no longer will we be in the top three, but will could actually be a uh, very strong contender and potentially win that grant. Um, excited to say that we did win a grant to to work on our seawall um, so that uh, that city owned infrastructure of the seawall and cold storage can can remain. Um, that's all support. Uh, that's all in support of our working waterfront and our in uh, our commercial fishing fleet here, which undoubtedly is one of the, the three legs of our economic stool here, and it does need to be supported. Uh, tourism brings in its own money that we can that we can utilize to support it and uh, commercial fishing needs to be supported as well as um, healthcare and uh, um, the fishing fleet. All right, thank you. And we're moving on to Kevin Mosher, um, Ballot Prop 2, where do you stand? Thank you. Well, uh, I'm also a sponsor on this one as well with Mr. Christensen, so I definitely support this 100%. I believe um, the fish supporting the fishing marine fleet is absolutely fundamental. Um, a, lot, a lot of times people talk about how we don't want to just have one industry like tourism or what have you, and this is a perfect example of diversifying our economy and supporting that. Um, <clears throat> the, as far as people, the, the permanent fund, I think um, people are getting a little stuck on that, and I understand completely. Uh, according to the charter, sales of any municipal property must go; the proceeds must go to the permanent fund. However, this sale just those these funds just got uh, were basically placed there uh, last year, 
the sale, uh, the eight point two million dollars is from the sale of the community hospital building, which we did not anticipate. So that uh, money, it's not in my mind. And this is why we kind of framed it this way. It's not like we're taking from what was. We're we're taking the assets, the sale assets from the hospital and putting from one asset into another. I feel like this is a perfect way to support um, support that. And I I do agree with uh, with Mr. Eisenbeis. Um, the city we've tried private enterprise for several years. It just never has worked out. And at the end of the day, the only if we want to do it, we're going to have to pay for it. And so this is a way for the community to decide. Um, and so uh, it's a huge sum of money. And so I'm glad uh, people are going to be have the chance to vote on it. I just also want to say, hope I'm not taking up too much time. I feel like sometimes we think, well, the fishing fleet or the marine fleet is just one little aspect, but it is absolutely crucial and fundamental to every aspect of our economy and our lives. So, and it's absolutely crucial that we support them. Uh, it will bring in sales tax revenue. It will support our local fishermen so they don't have to go other uh, to other communities to have their boats hauled out and worked on, and also support local businesses providing the services to these boats. Um, it's a win-win, um, absolutely fundamentally important to support this. Thank you. Thank you. All right, um, Valerie Nelson, Prop 2. What are your thoughts? As I stated in my response, I'm happy to see it on the ballot. It's always good to hear what the public at large believes or supports. I have mixed feelings about taking the money that should be in the permanent fund that benefits the whole community versus um, one sector of the economy. I have thought that there would be, you know, if there was a, if this was like a profitable business, they would make it happen and it would be self-sustaining. I'm I'm not for the city uh, being in business because they don't have a good track record on a lot of their projects. Um, I'm probably going to vote in favor of it because I support the fishermen and the fishing industry. My thoughts are, though, that uh, we have all this money supposedly stashed aside for a seaplane float that's going to benefit very few people that... Um, probably could have gone to that versus taking from the permanent fund that uh, that property sales were, were meant to go in. Um, so, yes, I'm glad it's on the ballot, and I will probably vote in favor of it. All right. Thank you all for your answers to that question. This next question is going to go to Kevin Mosher first, and it's about food security. This question came in from Charles. He asks, what can the assembly do to improve food security? Sitka and Alaska are very food insecure, and it's getting worse as grocery prices rise, and there are more supply chain issues. It's estimated about 90 to 95 percent of all our food in Alaska comes into the state from the lower 48 or overseas. So how do we increase the amount of local food in the food system? And what can the Sitka Assembly do about that? Thank you. Yeah, um, that's a very, very good question. Um, it's been something that's been on my mind for several years. And then when COVID hit and we saw how thing, tight things got for, for a period of time, that really brought things into the in the forefront in my mind. Um, well, there's, there's different things you can do. Um, I think the biggest thing is to encourage um, uh, community gardens and things like that. Those are... Um, those are very, very uh, important, and it's going to take time. Um, the Pacific High has a is building a uh, greenhouse right now uh, behind Baranoff Playground. Um, and there's 
that's a start. And but there's going to um, have to be um, a lot more. If if something really happened where that we did not have supplies come right now, we're we're basically in big trouble. Sometimes people say, "Well, we can go hunting." We have eighty five hundred people. I don't think that would. Uh, I don't just don't think that would work. So, um, as far as my mind, um, we need to get people together to come up with solutions to that. Um, and I think the the biggest thing that comes, the first thing that comes to my mind would be gardening and encouraging that. Um, I don't know how the assembly can help other than facilitate the discussion. Um, and if there was some sort of effort to fund a, a community garden, I would definitely be open to that, um, to that discussion. Thank you. All right, thanks. Um, now, Valerie Nelson, your response. For the first time in forever, I planted potatoes this year. Um, they didn't do as well as I'd hoped, but I am all for encouraging people to try to um, start supplementing their foods with things that they can provide. As far as um, thinking that we can all go hunting if we don't have ammunition and we can't afford the gas or the fuel, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, encouraging uh, maybe more farm type operations like we used to have a Sitka farm. I think that Bobby Daniels, um, you know, they had chickens that laid eggs and all that kind of stuff. So, but I'm, I'm not sure that that's something that the assembly can control. Uh, so just uh, encouraging people to be more independent and um, hoping that we don't come to a, a, a place where we're all starving. All right, thanks. Um, now to Stephen, uh, your response to the question about food insecurity. Uh, food security, food insecurity is definitely a, a concern in Sitka. Um, a lack of barges for, for two weeks um, would set this community back quite a bit on with, with uh, the food available in our stores. I think there, there may be a couple turnips left and, and that'd be about it. Um, this is not my area of expertise, and I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, but what that does do is, is opens up um, the ability for me to reach out to others. Um, I believe uh, the group that's getting started in Ketchikan, I believe they're called Grow Alaska. Um, Ketchikan has a couple vertical indoor farms going on right now um, that is working to help feed the community, uh, putting out about 300 pounds of lettuce a week. Um, and that seems to be working well there. Um, Grow Alaska is a, a group started by some food producers in the area where they want to work together in order to, to make this a, a scalable model for all of Southeast. So I think that is a, an opportunity to perhaps collaborate and partner with. Um, I, would, I would say that uh, the city's role um, perhaps could and should be limited in, in this aspect. I, I think we should support it, um, but I don't know necessarily what our exact role is. Um, if, if someone else, um, perhaps the person who asked the question has, has better ideas, um, please educate me. Um, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to learn and I'm happy to grow as this process goes forward. All right, thank you. I think you all responded to the question on food security and my apologies, I'm running the timer and I forgot to click it a couple of times, but I'll get better about that. Um, our next question is about tourism and this one is going to go to Valerie Nelson first. 
And the question is, it uh, has a little bit of background first, so let me get started. This is from Rich. He s- says, I think it's time to start a discussion on the reaction Sitka will have to increased cruise ship traffic. Bar Harbor is a community of around 5,000 people in Maine, and they are proposing an ordinance in the November election that will limit the, d- the number of daily cruise ship passengers. And this is interesting because it al- will allow them to limit coming across private docks. Key West passed a similar ordinance that was vacated by the state legislature after pressure from cruise lines. He thinks that the city has a few ways to weigh in here, including perhaps limiting the number of passengers it will pay buses to carry. He says, I'm not advocating anyone's, I have no idea, but I want to hear what candidates have to say. So so what are your thoughts on that, on on, um, looking at the number of cruise ship passengers coming into Sitka and any actions the assembly could take? And this will go to Valerie Nelson first. Well, I believe there comes a point when there are too many um, passengers. And I think a lot of the uh, lower income people were pretty upset this year with the short term tourism plan in that they felt like the assembly and the administration were kind of giving them the middle finger because locals don't matter and tourists are important in the summer yet they want us to shop local in the winter. And I've heard that from a number of people. There are other ways that um, they can regulate things. And I'm not so sure that, um, you know, they could legally say, yeah, McGraw's dock, because it's private, uh, can only have 2,000 passengers a day. I I just don't know how that would be legal. I think that there would be... uh, probably a class action lawsuit um, filed with cruise lines and and the owners of the dock. So um, maybe town hall meetings, um, having people email the assembly about thoughts that, uh, you know, could be implemented or ideas that could be implemented to keep it within what people think is reasonable. Thank you. All right, this question will go to Stephen Eisenbeis next. Uh, So this question is one that I do have uh, quite a bit more knowledge on as uh, my business is on Lincoln Street and and saw an increase um, due to cruise ship traffic. Uh, But I think the first question we need to ask with this is what is the right cruise ship number? Uh, Next year, we're going to have an increase, I believe, of about 200,000 visitors from what we had this year. Um, And let me tell you, this year was busy. So we'll see next year um, what busy really is. Although when we had our, you know, 350, 375,000 people this year, um, I was was fearful of that because we had never done it. Um, Now seeing the numbers, a a 5,000 passenger cruise ship day uh, for us was was easily manageable. Um, So as new norms come up, um, we may we may change our views on what is too many. Um, for me, for next year, it's the fear of the unknown. It's what does 550,000 people look like in our town next year? Um, and we're, we're cautious because we don't know. Um, in my recent conversations with uh, CLIA representatives, um, they 
seem to believe that our town is self-limiting in the number of cruise ship passengers. They think due to the size and due to the amenities and the, um, the docking capability here that we will naturally cap out. And they believe um, that we're very close to that level, um, which is encouraging to me because I, I absolutely fear and will absolutely fight losing Sitka's heart and soul. I think the important part of this question is that extra revenue that is raised needs to be spent back on our locals. It needs to fix our roads. It needs to bring back programs such as community schools that our locals value. We also need to finish our cost allocation study um, and show which uh, city services are affected by tourism and, and the cruise ship passengers, and that way we can reallocate some of the head tax money back into our uh, enterprise funds. Thank you. And Kevin Mosher, your response to this question. Thank you. This is a very uh, important and pertinent uh, question because it's affecting us all, obviously, right now. It's staring us right in the face. Uh, as far as, and I, I address this in a quite lengthy in the um, questionnaire that's on KCW, but I feel like it's too early to try to talk about limiting the number of daily cruise ship passengers. Yeah, I agree there. It might be a little on shaky ground legally to try to put a moratorium or a certain limit, but I believe that we could figure out ways to do it, but it would be more, it would end up looking punitive in nature. And the problem with that is uh, our tourism <clears throat> numbers were down for many, many years. It took a lot of hard work uh, on um, by a lot of people, a lot of team members to try to get tourism back to the way it is. So I, I believe that the way to manage that is by having a, a very good and healthy relationship with the cruise line agencies, like Clea, as Stephen mentioned, also with the cruise, uh, the dock owners, uh, to try to make sure we can refine. We, the biz, their businesses, they want their people to have fun. They want their people to enjoy it. And they also know that it's just not gonna work if, if the people of Sitka feel overwhelmed. Um, so I think that the, the vision can be aligned. There's some also some things to be, uh, some variables that people, that we need to just kind of be aware of and remind ourselves of is it was doubly worse feeling this year because of the traffic. And that had to do with the uh, Sawmill Creek construction, which is ongoing and it may go to what, June probably. Um, the downtown light doesn't have a left-hand turn signal. That is a problem. Uh, the city does not have control over that. That's a state road, so state um, infrastructure, but we are putting pressure and trying to get them to, to possibly address that at some point. So if you think, so take a scenario where the construction at Sawmill Creek is not there. Say we had a, a light that ha had a, a left-hand turn signal that could take a couple of years. That would help alleviate the traffic congestion significantly. Um, I see, I've talked a long time already. Uh, sorry, um, I could, this is a big one. I'll just wrap it up. Um, I, I believe that tourism is important and, um, but I'm not in favor of a mandatory limit. Okay, thanks. And um, before we get to the next question, we will. Uh, I just want to remind listeners: you can ask questions of the mayoral candidates. They'll be here for another twenty-five minutes or so. Seven four seven five eight seven nine, or email news at kcaw.org. This next question came in from Leah, and it will go to Stephen Eisenbeis first. And the question is: the assembly has recently created a sustainability commission to address Sitka's future needs. What is your vision for a thriving community in 10 years' time, and how will you support this in the next two years as a mayor? 
Uh, multiple parts to that question for sure, um, because the Sustainability Commission is, is one part of it, but then the, the vision of, of Sitka in the future um, is, is two parts of it. Um, I guess I'll use this opportunity to to talk about something that I feel sometimes gets missed when we talk about our, our Sustainability Commission and, and what Sitka looks like in the future. Um, obviously, our climate is changing at a, at a more rapid rate than we've ever seen before. Um, anyone who fishes king salmon understands the amount of shorts that were out there this year that you had to fight through to, to find a legal king salmon. So the oceans are changing, the, the climate is changing. Um, but what I think we really need to focus on in the next couple of years so that we have a, a great Sitka in 10 years is adapting to climate change. Uh, climate change is coming whether we, we want it or not. Um, whether we believe in it or not, um, ocean ocean changes are coming, whether we like it or not, whether we believe in it or not. So we as a community need to learn how to adapt to those changes. Um, if we don't adapt, we're, we're going to falter. Uh, there are, fortunately right now, there is a lot of opportunity with uh, grant funding at the federal level for, for climate change uh, initiatives. Uh, when we were looking at our seawall, um, one of the potential grant opportunities was for rising sea level uh, to defer some of the costs uh, to deal with those issues. So we, we have grant funding out there. Um, we have an, an extremely active uh, community affairs director um, who chases those grants. So I think we have opportunities to mitigate some of the effects of climate change here. Um, however, you know, if our, if our oceans change to a point where they're no longer fishable, I think that's a, a massive conversation that would well it's going to have to happen if that if that comes around but that's a that's a massive conversation that may not be able to be mitigated within 10 years thank you for that response kevin mosher goes to you next sorry could you repeat the question because it was a I can. interesting question. yes right. so it says this assembly has recently created a sustainability commission to address Sitka's future needs. What's your vision for a thriving community in 10 years time and how will you support this over your tenure? Okay, well, with, uh, with, that, um, with that question being, the foundation of that question being with the sustainability commission, um, uh, I again was part of helping bring that together with Ms. Hemshoot. Um, also, we had help with the people um, on the um, Climate Action Task Force. I believe this is the beginning, just the very beginning. In two years, we're not going to be able to get everything done. There's just no way. But we can just begin the work of working within the system of the, the city and borough of Sitka, building trust and, and finding um, finding, a fish, uh, finding ways to be um, uh, to build a sustainable city, not just within the city itself, but try to encourage um, that within the whole community. But um, basically just supporting that commission. Um, we recently hired a sustainability coordinator as well. And these things, having a sustainability commission, having a sustainability uh, coordinator, these type of things, having a plan which is being developed uh, will also, yes, help us to get federal funding for our infrastructure. Um, this is the kind of thing that can help um, get funding for things that normally we would have to go to voter or go to the taxpayer for that's kind of my hope uh, and part of my goal in addition to um uh, to these goals also one side boy these two minutes there's not a lot of time to talk um uh, one of the biggest things that the assembly really wanted the, the 
the Climate Action Task Force, and I assume we'll go to the commission, is working on the Solid Waste Management Plan. I think that's going to be really important. And so I'll definitely support that work in, in trying to begin that. Uh, we need to get on that as soon as possible to come up with ways to, to manage that. Um, and I'm just going to stop right there. All right. Thank you. Uh, Valerie Nelson, to you next. To me, sustainability means a lot of things. And um, as I stated earlier, adding 17 new employees to the tune of about 2 million extra per year in payroll is not sustainable for people. And when we look at the increases in the garbage, water, sewer, um, from 2018 to 2022, Water's gone from 49.45 to 54.02. That's a 9.24% increase. Sewer has gone from 59.09 to 70.71. That's almost a 20% increase. Garbage has gone from 32.96 to 41.60, if you have the small can. And that's a 26% increase. And uh, electrical rates have gone up about 6%. The public... Um, especially people that are working two and three jobs to try and pay for their food and rent can't afford to pay the utility bills. And it would be interesting, although I never saw it in all the years I've been on assembly or when I was mayor, how many people are in the, um, you know, the mix for getting help through the uh, city's oh, utility funding assistance program. Uh, as far as the Sustainability Commission, I was one of the people, I believe, that sponsored the Climate Action Task Force uh, ordinance, and I would be supportive of uh, having that commission advise us. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Um, Again, to the listeners out there, 747-5879 or go online at uh, email us at news at kcaw.org. I'm here with mayoral candidates uh, Stephen Eisenbeis, Kevin Mosher, and Valerie Nelson to talk about the issues leading into the October 4th municipal election. Again, you can ask your questions. 15 more minutes, 747-5879. Uh, this one is going to go to Kevin Mosher first. And this one is about policing. And it says several communities in Alaska have already incorporated the use of body cameras in policing. Most recently, voters in Anchorage approved the technology, though the cameras have yet to be installed. And the Alaska Department of Public Safety is working to equip all state troopers with body cameras in 2023. Last year, a measure was nearly brought to the assembly table to direct the Police and Fire Commission to research this and possible funding for the Sitka Police Department. But it was withdrawn from the agenda before the assembly could discuss it. So do you think this is something the Assembly or the Police and Fire Commission should explore? Why or why not? Um, sure, absolutely. I think it's something uh, we, we, we should uh, explore. <clears throat> um, I believe in, in doing a little research, some police, some people within the law enforcement community feel that they're beneficial, some feel that they, they're not. Um, just as a, I don't have any experience within law enforcement myself, but it seems to me like it would be a good thing because it would not just protect the person who is the, the person that many of the officers dealing with. It would also protect the, the, the officer in theory, if, if they're placed right, if they're, they're on there and working right, because there's a record of what is really going on. 
Um, so absolutely, I think it's something we should uh, explore. Um, if we do, we should work with the police and fire, or yeah, police and fire commission and the police department and get their input, get input from the community, and see if, if we can do that. And I'm sure there's grants we can apply for as well for something like that. All right, thanks. And this goes to Valerie Nelson next. I believe the police and fire commission should uh, reach out to the public through their meetings and then advise the assembly as to whether or not um, it's a favorable item that uh, law enforcement officers want. I do have experience in that um, I have a son-in-law that's a former state trooper and uh, have talked to him a bit about the body cams. I, um, I think it, it would work for both the police and the suspect or um, whatever you would like to call them. And uh, I know that uh, in the lower 48, a lot of people have dash cams in their car just to protect themselves. So this would be a means of protecting both parties. Thank you. Thank you. And lastly, Steven Eisenbeis. So policing uh, in America definitely is going through a, a growth phase right now, a transition phase, a, uh, a reinvention phase. And I, I believe that to be extremely healthy. I, I believe that our community no longer, no longer wants a, a show of force with its police department, but we want a, a community police department um, where community policing is, is the priority here, where the police um, work with our citizens as opposed to to against them. Um, I believe that body cams can be a part of a modern police force. Um, however, I would want to see a cost benefit analysis done first. I have no idea what it would cost to equip all of our officers with body cams and I have no, no idea how many incidents a year this would uh, perhaps turn the tide on. Um, I do believe though that body cams make for, for better police. And I also believe that it makes for, for better citizens um, because there is a, a visual record there of, of all police interactions. I, I would definitely reach out to our partners at the Sika Tribe of Alaska to get their points of views on it uh, because some of their citizens may be, um, they some of their citizens may be the most uh, affected by the, the use of body cams, um, hopefully in a, in a positive way. Um, we've, we've seen our native uh, community, um, there there's, has been incidents of um, less than ideal treatment of our, of our native community by our police department. And I think it was uh, pretty well publicized. Um, hence the reason the assembly took time to revamp and, and rework the police department. So um, I, I believe that, that body cams can be a good solution. Uh, however, this would be uh, kind of in the infancy say, stage of this conversation and it would definitely need to be developed. Thank you all for answering that question. We just have about 10 minutes left in the mayoral forum. So just a couple of questions, time for just a couple of questions left. Um, I do want to ask you about the role of the mayor. And this one will go to Valerie Nelson first. And the question is, you know, you've all served as assembly members and two of you have served as Sitka's mayor. How, what's a ma the mayor's role on the assembly? How, how does it differ from an assembly member? So, so how do you see that role differing from an assembly member role? The only difference that um, the mayor has over assembly members is that he directs, or he or she directs the uh, way that... Uh, the comments are taken 
And I have always believed that if we uh, let our city staff and our assembly members go on for 20 minutes each, we shouldn't be limiting the public to three minutes. As uh, one of the candidates here said, two minutes isn't very long to get your your thoughts out. And the three-minute public speaking thing, you used to years ago have a three-minute at the beginning and 15 minutes at the end. So I would work to um, try to make it more of the public having, you know, an opportunity to, to say what they want to say instead of, you know, saying, okay, well, tonight we got 100 people. We're going to let you speak one minute. That's just not right. And I think the mayor um, just sets the tone of the meeting. Thank you. All right, this will go to Stephen Eisenbeis next. So the role of the mayor um, is to to run a uh, an assembly meeting. Um, as mayor, I would continue to focus on running a, a great meeting, a meeting that is concise, a meeting that everyone um, is allowed their code allowed time, and a meeting where everyone's voice is is heard. Um, the mayor. The, the role of the mayor also includes acting as a respected representative to uh, local, state, and federal groups. Uh, it should be an honor to invite the mayor to a ribbon cutting or an honor to invite the mayor to, to your speaking event because you want that person to be present. Um, the mayor also um, takes a role in building a, a strong assembly. Uh, the mayor needs to work to build consensus among the assembly, even if that consensus is in a way that the mayor may or may not agree with um, if the body um, continues to do as such. The mayor needs to have a working and good knowledge of uh, parliamentary procedure and Robert's rules of order. Um, if you've noticed, um, actually, we'll, um, so um, the the mayor needs to foster great relationships with our with our business partners, our state and local um, federal leaders, um, because without those relationships, uh, none of none of the work, the down and, and dirty work, gets done. Um, I think the mayor also needs to um, to focus on on running a meeting so that the assembly members can focus on. Um, sponsoring ordinances and putting ordinances forward so that the mayor the mayor will focus on some of the, the head of state type issues uh, while the body uh, focuses on on getting the work of of the people done thank you for that response and now to kevin mosher two minutes thank you um there isn't a lot more to say i because i um, agree with what the former two um previous candidates uh, have said they're both like you said former mayors um the biggest thing for me is is yes running the meeting that is the first thing that you see it's really important to run not just an efficient meeting but a, a meeting that sets a positive respectful tone um with one another as assembly members with the public um, it's it's amazing how the slightest little uh, thing that you do affects how how people perceive, and it's very important to to be respectful and to listen to, to to people and what they have to say. But you have to be able to run that and and control it in a positive way. I believe I can do that. Um, <clears throat> a couple other things. In, yes, you do. You meet with the 
other representatives. Well, you meet with business owners, you meet with cruise line representatives, you meet with congressional delegation, federal, state, local um, um, representatives, all very, very crucial and very, very important. Um, you also, as mayor, can call a special meeting. Like if I wanted to call a special meeting, I think I'd have to get uh, three or four more people to, to do that. Um, mayor can call a special meeting or introduce legislation on their own. Uh, although a lot of times you, you want to do that with a consensus anyways. Um, the, far, the one thing I do disagree with uh, with Mr. Eisenbeis is I, I feel like the mayor, although yes, you are leading and, and you are supposed to, you should be uniting. I, I do believe the mayor can and should be active in, in working on legislation uh, and, and trying to, I think you can lead by doing that. I think you can lead and, and introduce legislation and work on things in a way that incorporates the whole group, possibly by having a discussion direction item before you do so, something like that, so that you know the assemblies can be on board. But I think you can lead that way as well. All right. Thank you all so much for, for taking your time to answer these questions tonight. Uh, we have a few minutes left, so I'm just going to give you one more wrap it up question. Um, and this will go to Stephen Eisenbeis first. So you, it's two weeks until the election tonight. You have just a couple of weeks of campaigning left, um, just a few minutes left on this forum. So make your final case. Why should Sitkins vote for you and what sets you apart from the other candidates? So this, the answer to this question is going to be more bullet pointed than a, than a cohesive uh, paragraph here. But, but some of the things that I've done in the, in the last two years in my tenure, uh, we've built a strong and stable assembly that, that fosters productivity, uh, not only amongst the assembly, but amongst city staff as well. Uh, morale is at an all-time high with city staff, and I believe they're doing an outstanding job right now. Um, I absolutely fear going to war with our city employees right now. Uh, they are irreplaceable at this point with labor shortages. Um, I, I believe um, that every person receives a fair and equal time at the assembly table. Um, I've worked to build consensus amongst the assembly. I've fostered great relationships in our state and, and federal governments. Um, I've fostered great relationships with our business community. As in, not only me, but the assembly has fostered a great relationship with our business community. A rainforest data a study recently indicated that 80% of business leaders in Sitka rate uh, the climate at good or above. Uh, some of the greatest compliments that I've received during this uh, tenure is that uh, people tell me they don't agree with me 100%, um, but they, they love how I run a meeting. And to me, that is the one of the highest forms of compliment that, that, I, can, that I can get from someone. Uh, my parliamentary decisions are respected by the body um, as they have not been overruled by the body, which is a, an ability that they do have um and let's see i guess the last thing that i'd like to end with is i've heard a lot of, of people throughout the last couple of weeks saying man i wish i wish i could have uh Stephen and kevin uh, on the assembly still going forward and i'd just like to submit that there is there is a way that we could do that um there is a way that that you can have both Stephen and and kevin on the on the assembly going forward here so um, thank you sitka for your time this evening and thank you for that response. And we're moving on to Kevin Mosher next. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank all everyone who supported me, uh, and even those who have not supported me have been made had no problems telling me their opinions, and I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, I feel like this being on the assembly has been the biggest learning curve and change in my life, 
and um, I want I would like to continue that as mayor. Uh, as far as what sets me apart, I believe I have shown strong leadership skills. I'm not afraid to make uh, hard decisions. I, I did that when I first got on with some decisions that were uh, unpopular at first, but I believe people have seen to, to, that has borne fruit with the creation of a competent uh, and experienced uh, leadership team, pushed for uh, efficiencies within local government that have uh, resulted in um, much savings. Uh, I pushed for uh, grant writing, which has also borne fruit as well. I've also been very active in, in um, promoting several things, several of the things we've talked about tonight. I've been very active in, in, in uh, uh, pushing for. I am very good at working with people at the assembly table and in private with uh, bringing people together. That's one of my best skills is being able to do that. And finally, <clears throat> I have the ability to listen, learn, and sometimes change my mind when necessary. I don't just stick to it, and no matter what, just do what I think is you know, is is the thing that I want to do. If, if I get have am given better information or learn more, I have no problem changing my mind. And I'd like to bring that attitude and that spirit um, to the uh, uh, assembly table as mayor. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. And last. Uh, call Valerie Nelson uh, two minutes well from reading a letter to the editor I think people think I'm combative but I have a history of working with everyone I've never told a person that's speaking from the public that respect is earned because I didn't agree with their opinion I'm not afraid to ask the hard questions I have a history of uh, what's happened in Sitka and a lot of knowledge as to what worked and what didn't work I am fiscally conservative, and I have a lot of common sense. I uh, have received comments and compliments on my ability to run meetings. The last one came during the pandemic when uh, I believe I was vice deputy mayor, and I had to chair a meeting because nobody else showed up. Uh, the mayor and deputy mayor were on Zoom, and our code says you have to be present. So. I did get, receive a compliment from somebody that attended that meeting and several others that watched it. Thank you. All right, this concludes our mayoral candidate forum. Um, I want to say thank you to all three of the candidates for joining us tonight. We're going to be speaking with assembly candidates shortly. I see sev several of them already in the waiting room ready to get in um, so that we can get to as many questions as possible. I I'm going to have some music for you while we wait for those assembly candidates to join us, and we'll be back shortly. You're lis listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. And if you have questions for the assembly candidates, you can call us now, 747-5879.